0: What's up, everybody? Derek Durnberger here with The Break Podcast. I'm excited to be back in the chair talking to y'all. It's been too long, roughly about a month since my last podcast, so, yeah, way too long. I remember my podcast before this one, I talked about how it was too long since I've been in here. Work is just uh, getting in the way. I got a real job that we've been busy at this summer, and we're also producing new episodes of The Break That's airing on Pursuit Channel right now, so every Thursday at noon Eastern Time, 12 Central, and also Saturday mornings at 6 a.m. Eastern, 5 a.m. Central. So, uh, yeah, we've been busy doing that, so I just haven't had much time to get in here and do this, but I'm in here today, and today I'm talking to Chris Hamm from HHA Sports, HHA manufactures. Bow sights, crossbow sights, and an arrow rest as well for your bow. So super high-end products. Uh, their bow sights are single-pin adjustable, and we'll talk to Chris about that. We're going to talk to Chris about the history of HHA, how they got started, where they're going. Uh, we'll talk about some of the work they've done with the military and they're currently doing. Um, and then, of course, we'll talk about their products as well. So it was uh, very informative podcast if you're wanting to get to know a little bit about hha and their and their products and uh, how you can utilize them so uh, listen up here it is chris ham with hha sports here we go this is derek Dernberger, and you're listening to the break podcast Hello, Chris. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing awesome. How about you?
0: Oh, not too bad. Not too bad. So I'm gonna venture. Yeah. To, I'm gonna venture to guess that one of the H's in HHA Sports is your last name.
1: It is. Yeah. It's uh, my dad, Harry Ham, started the company back in 1984. So uh, Harold Ham and Associates is the name that he he decided on but that's a little too long so he shortened it up to hha sports so that's a that's a little piece of trivia question there that uh that a lot of people in archery don't know they don't know what hha stands for so it's harry Hammond associates and that's the that's the founder
0: okay all right and is is uh he's still involved in the business today he's not
1: he uh he just turned 81 here back in April, and he's had a few health issues the last few years. And uh, it's been about three years that he's been been totally out of the business. So he he's still he's still with us and still still healthy, but just not uh, not actively participating anymore. But he I see him every day when I come to work, and he's uh, he's he's every bit of an inspiration, even though he's not sitting behind a desk anymore. So
0: right, right. So it's the so he's turned it over to the kids basically right now to run it, huh? Correct.
1: Yep. Yep. I do uh, day-to-day operations, uh, run that side of things, oversee the marketing and the finance and things like that. And then my brother, Brian, does all of our engineering and, and heads that up with uh, with his wife. And they, they kind of manage our machine shop and do all the product design and things like that. So it, it works good. He he wants absolutely nothing to do with my job and I don't want anything to do with his. So we've got a good, good marriage. <laughs>
0: right. Yeah, it works a lot better that way.
1: We, uh, we we check in on each other just just often enough to keep the other guy honest and uh and make sure that we're not getting off on any tangents but uh but no it's a uh, it's a great great model that we've gotten obviously we both kind of tutored under my dad for the last two plus decades so he he taught us everything that we respectively know and now we're just out applying all those those skills and uh having a
0: lot of fun with it uh-huh so tell us about the history of of how your dad got started in the business if you would
1: yeah, he, uh, I want to say it was back in the late 60s, and this is pre, pre-compound days, he, uh, he picked up a recurve bow from, uh, I think he got introduced to it here in central Wisconsin from a friend of his out at one of our local archery clubs and started shooting the bow and just really enjoyed it. And at that time, he was, he was working other manufacturing jobs. Um, and then we actually, in the mid-70s, had to move to Minnesota. I was born here in Wisconsin, but we moved to Minnesota for three years because his, uh, his employment took him out there. Um, and he just I mean like a lot of us I think I've I've been fortunate and blessed enough not to have to ever work for anybody else other than him but I think people that work for the for the man so to speak all dream of of having their own business and so that was something that kind of started playing on his heart and he combined that with his love for archery and just started tinkering in the basement making making different products for himself and for his friends and um, it wasn't until the mid-80s that he got his his big break and our first product was uh was the knucklehead folding stabilizer. So there might be a few long time HHA fans out there that still have one of those. Um, that was the first product that we ever introduced 1984. My dad was the, was the only employee of the business. So 34 years ago now, uh, that was when HHA was born right here in, uh, in central Wisconsin. Uh huh.
0: I actually had one of those knuckleheads back in the day. I started both okay. in the, in the late eighties, um, and really got into it. And, in the the early nineties. And, you know, I couldn't fit my bow. I never wanted to take my stabilizer off. Couldn't fit it in my case. So I come across that.
1: Yeah. That was the same, uh, same thing he heard from one of the guys at the club. They were, they were shooting one day and this guy went to put his bow away and he said, Harry, you gotta, you gotta make a stabilizer that'll come off or fold down. I can't fit it in my case. So, um, at that time, my brother would have been just out of high school. He was going to tech school in town and, uh, my dad brought that idea to him and, uh, my brother made that on a on a lathe at the at the tech college here. That was where the first prototype was made, and it's actually sitting about 15 feet from me now in this little case that we've got with a bunch of the old relics and the original products. So uh-huh.
0: um,
1: just kind of kind of neat how that whole thing started. And I I put a lot of those together in uh, in grade school and high school. So <laughs> and they they put they put food on the table for a lot of years for uh, for the Ham family.
0: Right. So <laughs> it's that's it's amazing how businesses start like that. You know you successful businesses like you guys have grown into, um, you know, just the, the family sitting around the the TV on the couch and <laughs> packaging product.
1: Yeah. And that seems, uh, I, I don't know if that seems even more prevalent in our industry, but I mean, there's so many families that, that uh, run through the, you know, the kind of the,
0: uh,
1: I don't know what age you'd want to call it, but the the renaissance of archery, you know, as a tradition from compounds into or recurves to compounds, there's a lot of, I mean, you've got the bear family, you've got the Troncosos that used to have golden key. I mean, there's just, there's a ton of, uh, family businesses, the Kinsey family that started Kinsey's archery, papes archery. I mean, there's, there's a lot of that, whether it be in distribution or manufacturing. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. And the, the, the whole family is still, other than my dad, the whole family's still involved in the business. My mother is 76 and she still heads up our, uh, Heads up our office operations. She's kind of going to be transitioning out of that role a little bit this fall as we we go fully automated on some stuff. But uh, she's been with us from the start. My sister's done assembly work and done office work. She still works with us, so it's uh, it's challenging at times to work with family, but it's it's fun and it uh, it sure beats punching the clock somewhere
0: else. <laughs> it absolutely does. Um, so you evolved from the knucklehead into really the leader, the leader in single pin sides
1: yeah that was a long long road and i i I mean none of us i'd be foolish to think that any of us predicted this and my dad in his wildest dreams never never thought that we'd be where we are today but the uh you know the folding stabilizer gave way to uh to release aids um we actually were one of the first if not the first companies to make a cardboard silhouette deer target and and offer those for mass for the mass market um I remember, this is back pre-computers, I remember sitting at a typewriter typing hundreds of labels in the summertime to, to slap on boxes of 30, 30 cardboard deer targets and shipping those out all over the country. So that was a product that, um, that we had for a oh, good part of a decade. Uh-huh. Um, and then we got into, in the early 90s, got into pin sights. So the, uh, the old Saunders T-Dots, we had those. We had a wire crosshair sight. We had a uh, beaded like a brass pin site where we were we were painting the tips of the pins with fingernail polish for lack of a better phrase. Uh-huh. Um, just just did you know whatever the wherever my dad was led or whatever the you know the consumers that called in on the phone or the the dealers that called in whatever they thought we should have we we took that into account and still do that today and and just gave them what they what they wanted and it, uh, it it's turned into what it has the uh, the optimizer came out in 1995. Okay. So that was what really kind of set us into the to the next phase. I mean the business grew steadily uh in the in the in its infancy up until the mid nineties. My dad hired my brother back full time in nineteen ninety two uh that was pre optimizer, but we had come out with a caliper release that was when the big dual draw caliper explosion started, and we had been farming out all those parts to another machine house down the road and um anybody that knows anything about manufacturing knows that it's pretty hard to make margins when you're you're paying somebody else to make your parts plus you don't get the it's difficult to get the quality and the delivery so uh, at that point when when we saw the demand uh, my dad brought my brother in house to use his his education um, and start up a machine shop for us so it was back in 1992 that we put our first first cnc machine in and my brother thought he would run it that first year but we got so busy that six months after he came back we hired our first first operator and that that gentleman is still uh still with us today so
0: huh yeah that's uh that's a huge step is uh investing in the equipment to to manage your own and it takes that demand before you know really anybody's able to do it
1: it is and i mean that's something that we've always my dad always taught me that i mean we've always been very calculated about our growth because uh i mean this industry can be Can be fleeting at times. You'll have a good year, and then even even companies like us are not immune to an off year. So you almost have to wait two years to really make those kind of investments because you want to make sure that the that it's real and it's not just a a blip on the radar. And then you you know you might be up ten percent one year and then you're off fifteen. Well, you don't want to you don't want to put out that kind of capital investment, especially back then as a young company. Uh, It was it was a much bigger risk maybe than it would be for us now. But uh, they still don't give those machines away, so we still apply that same thinking today when making those decisions, whether it be for advertising or, or manufacturing, you know, bringing on new capital equipment, you've got to make sure that the demand is there before you, uh, before you go to the, go to the well and, uh, and pay for one of those things.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's talk about, uh, you know, how you've grown from, well, you've grown from the knucklehead to, you know, deer to the, the cardboard deer targets to, you know, pin sites and, let's talk about you know your bread and butter which is the the single pin adjustables and the the mathematics and the technology that goes into your your sight tape it's a it's a dialer for lack of a better word for people that aren't real familiar with archery let's talk about how that works
1: yeah, I mean that optimizer. We, we debuted that in 1995, and we weren't the we weren't the first kid on the block. It's not like we invented the single pin sight. It was already out there. There's a company by the name of Sightmaster that had that product, um, and I believe there was a couple others making it at that time. But we just um, and, there, and one thing I will say. I mean, there's occasionally you're going to get a an invention in archery or in any industry that that's just totally going to set the world on its ear. But nine times out of ten it's usually an existing product that somebody else looks at and says, well, how can I make that better? And mm-hmm. that's basically what we did with this, with this optimizer. We put our, we put our quality, our heart and soul, our technology and our, our thoughts into it. And, uh, the, the masses obviously responded because now 23 years later, we've, we've been voted the top single pin site in the world by bow hunting world, 14 years in a row, which, um, we're, we're very humble folks. We don't, we don't brag, but that's a number that we like to throw out there because it's uh, it's an ultra competitive world, and to win anything one or two times is pretty flattering. But but for 14 straight years to have the public say you guys are the best is something that uh, we don't we don't take for granted, and we don't brag about it. We just we look at those plaques hanging on the wall, and they motivate us to hopefully get get number 15 here next year. So. Right.
0: Yeah. Well, I shoot the uh, the kingpin, and just the level of quality and craftsmanship that go into your products is, you know, it's just super smooth. Um, you know, they're just unbeatable really.
1: Yeah. And I mean, we get a lot of that from, you know, the fact that we do machine all of our own parts in house. I mean, we're all hunters ourselves, so we don't want our equipment to fail. We don't want it to fail on our, on our customers, because if it does, they're not going to come back and buy another one Mm -hmm. when it's time. So, um, that original optimizer that's the the slide style that most people are used to with the I'll call it a fan on the rear for lack of a better term um again that came out in 1995 and the, our sight tape technology which some you're obviously familiar with cuz you're shooting the kingdom but the sight tape technology didn't come out for almost another 10 years for the first probably decade that we had that sight we just included a couple of blank white stickers in there so people mm-hmm. could put it on and then and then you sight in 20, 30, 40, 50. I mean, it was, a, it was an afternoon to get your sight sighted in. Yep. Um, and um, I'm going to sound a little ignorant when I say this. I don't know exactly how the technology all came about, but that was something that my dad dreamed up, and he and my brother worked it out. But the, the patented technology we've got on our tapes now, Uh, which a lot of our competitors have since attempted to knock off is the the fact that we've got a a sight in tape that calibrates it at two distances. So on your kingpin, you're going to sight in at 20 yards. You're going to sight in at 60 yards with that calibration tape. And then there's 48 color coded tapes that come in the package. Well, one of those tapes is going to match up with your, your setup based on where your 20 and your 60 yard uh, points of impact are. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it's a, it's a mathematical formula. I mean, just imagine taking a, taking a rubber band and putting yardage marks on it and then you stretch that rubber band those those yardage marks move depending on the stretch of the band and that's basically all we did with those tapes is each of those represents a different uh different scenario with uh with your bow setup so it uh it's the 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 sight tapes are more accurate than anybody shooting the product and i mean no disrespect to our to our customers when i say that but the the simple fact that the the math the math works so if if there's ever an error in the the technology it's typically a a human error i've done it myself right (laughs) uh, but the yeah the the tape technology as you know it works i mean i I don't condone shooting at super long distances but i mean we've got guys especially out west that i mean they they're not going to get a 20 yard shot at a deer like we are here in wisconsin so i mean they're used to shooting 40 50 60 70 yards at game and uh Mm -hmm the amount that your accuracy increases with a single pin sight versus looking at a cluster of three or five or seven pins and then guessing in the heat of the moment, which pin to grab. Um, it's just amazing what it does for for a person's confidence going into a hunting situation when you know that, Hey, I've got an animal at 47 yards. I'm going to range it mm-hmm. and you put that pin right where you want to hit and that's what happens. So,
0: yep. Well, the biggest thing I think with, you know, the Western hunters are going to shoot a lot farther than we are here in the Midwest, but, uh, just the ability to practice out to 60 and 70 yards makes that 40 yard shot look like it's, you know, a 20 yard shot.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we've got a hundred yard range here at the office and I think, I mean, I've been bow hunting since I was 12 years old. So I mean, that's, that's 30 plus years. I primarily hunt in Wisconsin, so I don't take a lot of long shots. I don't have to, but I'll shoot, you know, 60, 70, 80 yards in the summer knowing I'm not, you know, I might shoot 40 at the most during hunting season. But like you said, you, you practice at that distance. And then all of a sudden 40 and 30 and 20 become, I mean, you can almost do those with your eyes shut.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. And you know, standard three pin setups, it's typically 20, 30, 40, and you get out to 50 and 60, it's hold over and it's not, it's not good practice because you're not, seeing the pin settle on where you want that arrow to hit so uh you know the ability to adjust it and dial it in you know it's really um it's priceless
1: yeah i mean we've had people i mean every year out i don't uh in my position now is basically taken over from my dad's chair i don't have as much one-on-one interface as i normally did or used to with the dealers and the uh and our customers but i just remember every year you'd hear it you know well what happens if the deer moves? You know, I, somebody's been shooting a three- or five-pin sight all their life, and it's very hard to talk them off that ledge to get them to jump over to the single-pin camp. But uh, there, I've, I've heard so many success stories of, of people that have done that, and they, they kick themselves saying, why didn't I do this sooner? I'm shooting so much better. I mean, I, I don't know how many times I've heard that. It's uh, And I understand change is difficult for people. It's, it's difficult for me. But once uh, once people make that leap, they typically never go back to a multi-pin setup.
0: Uh, huh. yeah, I was a multi-pin guy back in, back in the day. And when I made the move to a single pin, what, what I've noticed was, and I just looked at all the deer I've killed, the average distance that I killed a deer in the woods was 17 yards. The average distance that I killed a deer on a food plot was roughly 30 yards. So sure. when I'm hunting in the woods, it's typically a short shot they're moving quickly so it's set at 20 yards and you just adjust like you would a fixed pin 20 yard on anything that's 15 25 it's hold low hold a inch high but it's all right there even if you held that on it's in the kill zone if you're hunting a food plot and you may have those longer shots typically the deer are out there feeding and you've got plenty of time if you just calm down you have plenty of time to range it dial it in and, you know, settle in, settle the pin right where it needs to be, at 32 yards, at 27 yards, at 38. So, uh, you know, being able to, to put it on the exact yardage and hold right on where you want that arrow to hit is it's great.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I uh... – like i said i primarily hunt here in wisconsin we've got a family farm that's been in the been in the family for over 100 years that's where i do all my my hunting at i mean my my food plot set up there i've got a i've got a redneck line right on the edge of my field i've got a food plot out in front of me that goes out to about 30 or 35 yards and then beyond that i've got standing corn so i mean anything i'm going to shoot at is 35 and under mm-hmm. um and you know most of the bows nowadays are so fast that you you can set your pin at maybe 25 and then just know what your bow does at those obviously closer range. You're going to have to hold a little low, but I mean, you you can get from zero to 40 essentially with one pin without having to move it. Mm -hmm. Yep. And then as you said, you know, if you have something out at a further distance, then you you should have ample time to, uh, to range it and, uh, and just dial it in right to the yard. So.
0: Yep. Yeah. Well, your, your sight tapes are definitely more accurate than I, I can, I can guarantee you that.
1: Yeah, no, that's a that's a mathematical formula. We'll get people that argue with us at times and say that the tapes aren't accurate. But I mean you you can't you can't argue with math, so they uh they work and they're uh yeah, it's been a it's been a been a fun ride to uh to see where it has evolved from. I mean obviously we had that original slider slide out in ninety five and then I think two thousand seven we came out with our next generation optimizer, which was the Ultra. I know there's a ton of Ultra fans out there and that's uh instead of having a slide arm that's got a wheel on it and that allowed us to go out to uh i think those go out to 80 yards but that's actually to the yard because essentially by wrapping a tape around a wheel it makes the tape much longer so now instead of having a tape with five yard increments now you've got it down to the yard so that was that was a pretty uh pretty big innovation for us over a decade ago to have to the yard accuracy from 20 to 20 to 80 yards
0: Uh uh-huh and then the kingpin which is again the one that i shoot that came out when did uh, that came out in 2015. That,
1: 2015 that was
0: 2015
1: yeah that was about three years ago and that was uh um i mean that ultra was just hugely popular for years and we still sell a bunch of them but as the quivers have gotten closer to the bow with the tight spots and a lot of these uh these quivers that mount so close the wheel had a tendency to interfere with them so that was when everybody started moving the wheel out in front and that, that kingpin was our first. Uh, First dip into that territory, and that—that's—I like, uh, mean, we, we've made some nice products over the years, but I've got to give kudos to my brother on that one. I mean, that, that's hands down is probably one of the finest pieces of goods that we've ever put on the market. It—it's uh, not inexpensive by any means, but I mean, it's uh, well, you shoot one yourself, so I'll—I'll I'll let you brag it up, and I won't do it. So, <laughs>
0: yeah, well, just the adjustability out there to a hundred yards, um, you know, a couple different comes with two two wheels uh or dials I should say is that we call it just the dials Yeah the the wheel yeah I mean the, be the benefits wheel. there if you're, shooting, if you're shooting two different grain weight arrows or you're going to go you know on
1: a on a moose hunt and you want to shoot one arrow for this or one arrow for 3D it allows you to, right. to swap in and out without having to peel the stickers off so yeah. that that was the big innovation there that people really like
0: so mm-hmm. and that's what I, I shoot a little bit of 3D so uh, I have that that one uh, dialed in for my 3D arrow, so that's how sure. I uh, utilize that. And then the Tetra is this year's new one, right? Come out this this uh, yeah, yeah tet- Tetra we
1: introduced in January at ATA, and that uh, that looks very similar to the Kingpin. It just has a few less bells and whistles on it. It doesn't have the uh the removable wheels, so it's you're, you're just back to one single yardage wheel. um The Kingpin's got that magnifier on it for. Some of our hunters with older eyes, so that that Tetra does not have that. Mm-hmm. Um and you can't get the Tetra on a on a dovetail just to back up to the Kingpin. I mean we don't have a full blown target site, but um that Kingpin tournament edition's got a got an adjustable four to eight inch dovetail on it and that kinda allowed us to tap into that market a little bit. I'm not saying that we'll uh, we'll ever come out with a target site, but if we do we've got a pretty good start with that uh that tournament edition kingpin. So mm-hmm.
0: So has, has the tetra gaining ground? Is it gonna, I guess, ultra still probably the number one seller?
1: Uh well, the light is actually still number one just because of the uh, the price point on it. I mean, that's going to be you know one hundred nine to one sixty nine retail for the optimizer light. So as far as volume goes, that's still our okay. our number one. But then the uh, then the ultra would fall in behind that. And the tetra number three, or I'm sorry, the kingpin number three, just because that's a, a higher price point, but um, and quite honestly, we thought that the, the Tetra would put a bigger hurt on the rest of the product line. And I don't know what's going on. But I mean, the, the other the other sites are still performing quite well. And the Tetra is uh, we're, we just now finally got caught up on those since ATA. So we're we've been very blessed with uh, the fact that we've added new product and it hasn't really cannibalized the rest of the product line, which that typically does happen uh, in this industry well, and come out a- with something new and then the, the old stuff goes away. But for whatever reason, we're, we're selling it all and adding this on top.
0: Right. You found another new market. So <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. Uh, well, that would be the goal, I guess.
1: Yeah. No, just, uh, we're on a, we're on a hot streak right now. and We're going to enjoy every minute of it and mm-hmm. keep, uh, keep innovating and coming out with the products that, uh, that our fans have, uh, have asked for. So.
0: Uh-huh. Now the the HHA fans will know about the Virtus rest or the, the loyal fans, but I've got to say that the Virtus rest that I use, I it's easy to adjust. It's super quiet. It has, it is my favorite drop away rest I've ever used.
1: Well we appreciate hearing that and we're, uh, we're we're hearing more and more of that. We we introduced that product last year at APA so that's been out for about a year and a half now and um, we made rest back in the day. A lot of people probably won't remember that. But I mean we had a we had a T M Hunter style rest back uh fifteen, twenty years ago and we we've actually had a couple drop away rests before this one that weren't uh weren't as successful as this product, but um we just thought it was time to maybe branch out into a different category, and uh and the rest market seemed to be a, be a logical choice because we have done it before we just haven't maybe done it to this this level and yeah it is a it's a very nice product it's as you said it's quiet it's very user friendly to set up whether it's done at a bow shop or somebody's doing their stuff in their own basement it uh it's really easy to uh to set up and tune and um yeah, it's been a been a good addition to the family. So hopefully that'll become a become a name just like Optimizer here.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I believe it will. And I shoot a Matthews, which you make a Matthews edition of the Virtus Rest, and it fits like a glove. I mean, there's really there's no guesswork whatsoever. Just screw it on and and you're good to go.
1: Yeah, yeah, we've got a we've got a standard mount, and then we've got a Matthews, a Hoyt, and a Botech mount for uh, for those fans. So. I just wanted to make it as easy as possible for for folks to get them mounted onto their bows and then um, something else i know that you're well aware of just with uh with your show and your work with the military is we're actually giving 2.2 percent of our profits from that product back to our hha usa program okay. uh, which helps helps veterans and uh our, our biggest goal in that thing a couple of years ago was just to raise awareness and to help combat uh the 22 veterans a day that commit suicide that's why the number 22 ended up in the part number for the product it's uh your matthews rest is an mavr 22 and that 22 came from our from the unfortunate 22 uh veterans a day in this country that take their own lives so Mm -hmm. we just um we've been very again just very fortunate very blessed to have the success that we have and um i just felt my brother felt it was time for us to start giving back and, uh, and sharing some of our success and some of our resources with, uh, with, ai don't, I don't think I could pick a more deserve, deserving group of people than our, our nation's veterans. I mean, if it wasn't for them, you and I probably wouldn't be having this conversation today. Yeah,
0: you're exactly right. Yeah. I'm, uh, that's definitely a sweet spot in my heart is, is helping those guys as, as much as I can, you know, as you know, I've worked with the Nistep foundation, uh, doing various hunts and you've done something with them um in the past so it's uh it's a great deal I just have so much respect for those guys so anything that you know I'm able to do to help them out is great and what you guys are doing is far and away a lot more than what I could ever do so uh that's great
1: yeah well I mean we we know we've got a very loyal following of fans and we're hoping that you know everybody that's bought an optimizer over the years will hopefully, buy a avertus rest, and if they do, you know, two two point two percent of those profits is going to go into our our fund to uh, to help our veterans. I mean, whether that be you know sending guys on hunts or uh, something I've done here the last couple of years, uh, and you and I talked about it briefly was the the honor flight. Um, and for the people in your audience that aren't familiar with what that is, that's a that's a nonprofit that sends. Uh, world war ii korea and vietnam veterans to washington dc for a one day all expenses paid trip they get to go to all the memorials they get police escort everywhere they go on the bus it's kind of like front of the line at disneyland and uh those guys and gals get the get the welcome home that they never most of them never got i mean obviously the vietnam folks were were really misunderstood and mistreated when they came home and i don't think there was much of a reception for the world war ii guys either so it's uh something i volunteered for a couple years ago and um, Was driving home from the airport one night after welcoming, welcoming a group of vets home, and I thought, man, what can I do to to use our business to help raise some money for some veterans? So we uh, we put on three three archery shoots here in Wisconsin, central Wisconsin last year. Um, we're able to raise about fifteen thousand dollars, and this year we're we're through two of our three shoots, and we're already about ten percent over last year. So looking to looking to head towards twenty five or thirty thousand dollars that we'll hand over to the honor flight as a result of Um, the the efforts of not only myself and our company but probably 50 other manufacturers within the industry so I mean I know we're we're sitting here doing an HHA podcast but without the Matthews and the Hoyts and the Botex and the Vortex optics and Reconyx cameras and I mean the list goes on and on we've had so many sponsors that have jumped on board with this thing when they hear veterans they're like yep what can we send you and the next day I got a package in the mail that looks like Christmas, and we put that stuff out for live auction and people just eat it up and it goes to a great cause so it's been a it's been a lot of fun to be able to to be a part of that and use our our resources to bless other people with them
0: that's great yeah that's great awesome um you know I skipped over one product we jumped right to the Virtus the optimizer speed dial for the crossbow fans out there. We got to touch on that because it incorporates your your um, tape technology into a crossbow using a scope
1: right yeah and that that essentially does the same thing it accomplishes the same thing as a single pin sight on a bow does it eliminates that need for a scope with five or six crosshairs in it um, so about 10 years ago dad and i and my brother were sitting around in the kitchen one day and that was kind of when the crossbow craze just started to get going and we thought, man, what, what can we do to take our optimizer product and put that on a crossbow? And six months later, we had a elevation platform with a yardage dial on it that had those same tapes and it used a single radical scope. So now you're down to just one aiming point instead of having to pick hairs in the heat of the moment. And it uses that same sighted in at 20, sighted in at 60 technology Um, Now you can essentially dial in a crossbow from 20 to a hundred yards in one yard increments. Mm -hmm.
0: Yep. So yeah. So Um, for people, yeah, for people, it doesn't adjust the actual scope elevation inside the scope. It just, basically the whole scope is on an elevation platform. Correct.
1: Yep. It's just, it's a, it's that elevation platform bolts to the existing rail on the crossbow. And then that, yardage wheel just raises the rear end of the scope effectively changing the the point of impact but um i mean you think you can be accurate with a vertical bow and arrow uh now all of a sudden you put that on some of these modern crossbows and you get yourself on a bench i mean you can you can shoot oranges out at 100 yards with it i had one of my dealers down in milwaukee a few years ago that had a he had a bet with one of his customers that uh That he could hit a grapefruit two out of three times at 100 yards, and the the dealer won the bet. So
0: (laughs) it's pretty crazy how accurate that thing can be. Uh huh. And yeah, so you've got. I'm looking at your website on my screen right now. So you've got a couple different scope options. You mentioned Vortex. You've got a. You can get a Vortex scope to go with this up the speed dial
1: correct yeah yeah we're partnered with hawk and we're partnered with vortex so or we can or you can sell just the uh you can buy just the base separately if, the, if a customer's a zeiss fan or wants to buy any kind of other optics. you can mm-hmm. you can buy just
0: the base and then outfit it with your own scope so yeah and basically any scope will for the most part will fit on it it's just a yeah uh picatinny standard Rale. picatinny rail yeah yep. you just mount your uh your mounts to it and you're good to go
1: yeah so that's been a that's been a cool product obviously love them or hate them or anywhere in between the crossbows appear like they're here to stay so it's been a kind a good way for us to kind of get our our feet into that uh that market as well so and they've been they've been very well received in fact we've got quite a few of the uh the tournament shooters on the IBO circuit are using optimizers in fact I think uh a few of our folks have, have taken the podium over the last four or five years with it so I think you look on a lot of the out of the IBO crossbow champions, most of them are going to have optimizers on the crossbows.
0: So. Mm-hmm. Well, you're right about crossbows here to stay. Missouri, I think it was is either last year or the year before, have legalized them for, for archery season. They were only legal for for firearm season, but uh, it's all year now.
1: Yeah, we went we went legal here in Wisconsin four years ago with it, I believe. So
0: So did you see a number of or do you know if the number of archery kills went up due to crossbows or is it the same basically?
1: I don't think it's been impacted a, a ton. Um, I mean, our deer numbers, I can remember back when I was a kid, we used to have a lot more deer than we do now. So um, we're not killing the amount of deer up here in Wisconsin that we were 20 years ago, but I think a lot of that it has to do with population more than it does with the with the weapons that folks are using to take them with. So.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, C- CWD is a real hot issue here in Missouri right now. I know you guys kind of went through that a few years back, right?
1: Yeah, we did. I mean, it uh it, it's been found in in a lot of different parts around the state. We didn't have it here in our county, but we had it in the adjacent one, and then they uh you know, anytime they find it in a the county, they shut down baiting in that county and the and the adjacent one. So it's that's probably been boy seven, eight years ago, maybe 10 years ago that they found it here. But the, the Southern part of Wisconsin is where it was really bad, really prevalent down, down in the Madison area,
0: South mm-hmm. Madison.
1: So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're going through that right now. It's uh let's see, because Missouri, you've always been able to, to put mineral out. You can't bait during hunting season, but you can feed deer in the off season. But, uh, it's the County above me. They found it in two counties from me. So it was the county that they found, CWD, and uh, shut down minerals and feeding on that county and every adjacent county, just like up there in Wisconsin, like you're talking about. So it's one county north Mm -hmm. of me right now, which I would imagine. Okay. I got one more year of (laughs) feeding, and that's it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I I mean, we – I don't know if I should say this on a podcast or not, but I mean, back when I was a kid, we would – we would bait a little bit here and there, but I honestly don't miss it. I mean, we—I uh, use food plots now, and I guess that's just a form of uh, natural bait. Maybe that's a—that's a debate on all—all all it. itself, and right? I just found that the uh, the deer are much more relaxed coming in over a food plot than they are over a over a bait pile. So I've been on guided hunts before where the guys have had had bait out as well, and it just they the deer get educated in a hurry. They start looking in the tree stands for the guy with the bucket. It seems like right. <laughs>
0: Yeah, you're exactly right.
1: <laughs> yeah, but again, I, I don't. I try to to stay on the fence on that stuff. I know it's kind of a hot topic with folks, but we've we've got enough people outside of our industry trying to trying to take us down. I'm not a big fan of right. uh, of throwing of throwing mud at what a guy hunts with or how he hunts you and you're exactly right. And and, uh, and getting getting into the woods and hopefully bringing some new recruits in. Whether that's that's what we care about.
0: So. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, You know, a lot of people ask me, well, which, which site should I use for my style of hunting? You know, if, uh, you know, all I'm going to do is hunt whitetails in the Midwest, they'll ask me, well, which HHA should I purchase? So how would you answer that? Is there a specific model that is right for the right, you know, a certain person?
1: Um, I mean, not really. I mean, the the front end housings on them are essentially all the same. So your aiming point is going to look the same across the board regardless of what the what the rear end model looks like it really a lot of it's going to depend on on pocketbook I mean some people don't want to spend 250 or $300 on a site so they're gonna maybe gravitate more towards our optimizer light Um, that same crowd I mean the guys that go out west like to go with that one as well just because it's a little lighter if you're looking to lighten your setup up the opti light is kind of the way to go there if you're more of a hunting 3D crossover guy, then you know that Kingpin's going to come into play as you've seen, because you can mm-hmm. switch the arrows out a lot easier. Um, a lot of people are hunting with dovetails now; they like to get that sight out further in front of the boat. So we've got people that'll buy that tournament edition sight; they'll use it for 3D, but they'll also go out in the woods with it. So um, it really, there, there's really not a magic answer for that. Like I said, a lot of it just depends on depends on budget, depends on what you're used to, what kind of quiver you've got. Um, and what your, what your application is going to be.
0: Hmm. Oh, good. Uh, where are you hunting this year? You got any big trips planned?
1: I don't. And I mean, a lot of people will look and say, man, that guy owns one of the biggest site <laughs> companies on the planet. He should have a trophy room that would choke a horse. But I just, uh, I, I, I traveled so much over the last two decades being in this business, you know, being out at trade shows and doing different things to promote the business that, uh, um, I'm a, I'm a homebody. I just like staying at home, and uh, my office is only five minutes from my house, and my farm's 10 minutes from there. So it's one of those things. If, the, if I wake up in October and the weather's bad, well, I guess I'm going to sleep in and go into work for a few hours today, or if the weather's good, then I'll get out and hunt. So um, I've got plenty of opportunities to go places at some point. I'll probably do that. Um, I'm actually just, uh, my best friend and I are getting ready to launch, uh, in early 2019, we're launching a, a non-profit for veterans.
0: Oh, okay. Um,
1: that's something that's been on both of our hearts. I mean, obviously we're doing this HHA USA thing. We're going to continue to do that, but, um, we wanted to do something that would just be independent from the business. So, um, he and I are going to start that up and one of the primary things there is going to be to get veterans back into the field, similar to what Meestead is doing, um, and I think with that, you know, I probably won't be going with the bow, but I think I'll be going on some of those experiences with those those men and women just to just to see them enjoy the outdoors. So that that's going to be my hunting uh, going forward. I think maybe is just uh, just tagging along on some of those trips and, and shaking some hands and getting some veterans out into the field. So
0: mm-hmm. well, I can tell but, you, uh, you'll yeah. enjoy that as much as hunting. Yeah, yeah. Just my experience going with the NISTEP Foundation is you know just seeing those guys out there and being successful and getting to see something that they've never seen and probably never could if it wasn't from help from the nested foundation or, or you know the organization you're going to start yeah it's just great to see
1: yeah yeah and i mean like i said i've got a family farm here where i mean we don't have 180 inch deer running around but i've got an opportunity every season to put myself in front of a three and a half year old buck and i mean that's. That's good enough for me, and I'm happy to do that just right in the right in the comfort of my own zip code. So that's that's kind of my hunting experience for
0: for 2018. We'll see what happens next year. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm, how about your,
1: how about yourself? I'm sure you've got a lot of stuff planned.
0: Yeah, you know what? I'm kind of a homebody too, which is why I have a big staff <laughs> for for the show. Um, I just just as soon stay close to home as well. The good thing about where I'm at, I'm uh, I'm 45 and within 45 minutes, I can be in three States so I can be in Illinois and Kentucky all within 45 minutes. And I've got a lease in Illinois. So there's a lot of whitetail hunting I can do right here, you know, within an hour of my house. Sure. But, uh, but yeah, I, li- I like to stay home. Um, but I am going to Colorado, actually the f- opening week of uh, elk season. So it'd be the last week in August. We're going out to Colorado for mule deer and elk, so that should be a good time. Uh, but that's my big trip. Other than that, I'm pretty much pretty much at home.
1: Sure, and I mean i, I, I live and breathe HHA fifty two weeks a year. So a good friend of mine that uh, uh, actually played Major League Baseball for fourteen or fifteen seasons, JD Drew. i I've met with him about a decade ago when we were talking down at spring training one year all he wanted to talk about was was hunting
0: Uh
1: (laughs) and and all i wanted to talk about was baseball and he said he said you know that's one thing i learned early on in my career is that i've got to find something that that gets me away from what i do for a professional it's going to drive me crazy and that really that really stuck with me it's not that i don't enjoy the industry i absolutely love it very very blessed by everything that it's given me but i just i find that i've got to do two things outside of uh of having a bow and arrow in my hand, just to just to kind of recharge my battery. So I'm a I'm a huge NASCAR fan, big baseball fan, like going to concerts. So mm-hmm. that's kind of my uh that's kind of my hunting. Where most most guys that are probably listening to this have eight to five jobs and they, they think they'd love to be in this industry, but <laughs> they uh they they look forward to hunting season. So I look forward to the busy season being over, so I can maybe go and catch a NASCAR race or, or go to a baseball game or a football game, do something like that.
0: Right. So, Yep. I was a golf pro back in an earlier life, right out of college. I was a golf pro and everybody would say to me, Oh, that's great. to get to play golf every day. I was like, no. So when I started working in the golf industry, I played maybe once a week. Really all I did was you sit in the pro shop and you set up tee times, you run golf tournaments for members, you give golf lessons and rarely do you get to play. So it's not all it's cracked up to be actually working in the industry. You don't get, if you're in the hunting industry, you don't get to hunt that much usually because you're working during that busy time.
1: Right. Yeah. And I mean, the busy time has, uh, has extended a lot longer than it used to be. I mean, I remember two decades ago, it was, it was July, August, September, and then you were done. But now with, uh, I mean, the new bows are out so much earlier. A guy can be sitting on his tree stand in October, trying to kill a buck with a 2000, 2000- 18 bow and all of a sudden he gets an email and the new the new Matthews is out I mean the season's not even over yet so
0: right. that
1: that's really uh initially when that started happening and frustrated us manu- accessory manufacturers so that means we had to have our uh, our homework done that much sooner but um it's actually been a it's been a good thing going forward because it splits the busy season up into two because now you know right after ATA January February March we're pretty busy filling shelves for dealers because they've got guys coming in the door looking to buy those new bows. So then it, it dies down in the second quarter, April, May, June, and then it picks back up again, July to October. So it, uh, it's nice. It's, uh, it kind of spreads out that busy season and it's chaotic, but it's not quite as bad as it used to be. And it's Mm -hmm. not so, not so concentrated.
0: So, you know, we talked about you guys staying busy, uh, when, how long does it take to develop a product like you know you come out with the tetra last year or earlier this year how long does it take to develop that are you already working on products that are a year away 2 years away 3 years away possibly you know what's the time frame on developing a new product
1: yeah i mean a lot of it depends on the product if it's if it's just a variation of something that we've already got and the work's half done then it's not so bad but i mean um like, you look at that Vertus Rest, I mean, that's something that was probably a year and a half in the making just because of the, fact that we've been out of it for so long. We kind of had to re-educate ourselves, and, uh, uh, you know, we've been making sites for so long. So, um, but yeah, like, right now we're, we're already working on products for 2020, and that's something that just as we've gotten older as a company, we've realized that, you know, we, we can't. You can't go to the drawing board in April and expect to be shipping a product by next January. Mm-hmm. Um, it just doesn't work that way because, I mean, you as good as we are at what we do, there's always revisions and revisions on revisions and revisions on revisions on revisions. So, I mean, there's just there's no, <clears throat> there's no fail-safe method for putting new product out. So the best thing that we need to do was just to back up that whole train and, and give ourselves maybe a year and a half where we used to only give ourselves six, eight months to get it out.
0: Mm-hmm. So I picture you and your brother sitting in the conference room at the, or at the dinner table or whatever it is saying, all right, you got a notepad and you're going to say, what are we going to come up with next? Is that how it works? Or do you guys get feedback from, you know, your followers, followers, your customers, and how can we solve this solution for them?
1: Yeah. I mean, a lot of it is, is relying on those, those that exact group of people that you talked about. Cause I mean, we're, we're other than when we go out to trade shows or maybe stop into a dealer now and then we're we're at our desks fifty weeks out of the year so we don't we can pick up the phone easily enough but it's, it's better to be open-ended and, and read all those emails that come in from customers and look on social media and see what they're after and call those dealers and find out what they want um, they're they're the ones that are out there actively using and selling the products so they've been huge in our development of our new products over the years mm-hmm not that we, not that we haven't come up with a few things on our own and we have a general direction of where we want to go, but the, the, the consumer and the, and the archery dealer has really been instrumental in the, the development of our products over the years and, and deserve a lot of credit for that.
0: Yep. Okay. All right. Uh, what else we got coming up? We got Deerfest coming up in Wisconsin. I'll be up there. Are you guys going?
1: I will too. Yeah. I'll be down our, our, my sales manager and some of our crews going to be down there all weekend. I'm going to come down on uh, on Sunday. It looks like because that's actually uh, military appreciation day. I think they're letting all veterans in free if they uh, if they come dressed in their uh, their military fatigue. So I'll be down there on Sunday. Um, we've got uh, Scott, my sales manager. He's getting ready to take off Wednesday for the Total Archery Challenge out in uh, Utah. Um, for your listeners that aren't familiar with that that's a that's a 3d shoot on steroids if you will they've got some pretty extreme targets out there it's actually held at a ski resort Um, i think you have to take a chairlift to, to get up and shoot the course
0: oh wow um
1: yeah it's uh it's a pretty big deal they've got i believe they've got seven events now around the country they've got one in utah uh that we go to they've got one in montana we'll be at that one the following week so we'll be at both the total archery challenges out west here in july uh, we did one back in, uh, April in Texas. I think they've got one in Tennessee now, Pennsylvania, Michigan, and South Dakota. So it's, it's getting to be a pretty big deal. It's, uh, it's extreme 3D archery. I mean, they've got, I think out there, they've got a few shots that are pushing a hundred yards. So it's a, it's a cool, cool event. And we just wanted to get ourselves some more exposure out in that Western market a couple of years ago. So started attending those and, um, good results. They, they, they put on a really nice event, bring a lot of people in and, um, we're seeing more, more HHA green every year that we go. So that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Good. Good.
0: Well, yeah, the, uh, the Neestat foundation, they're going to be at uh deer fest for that veteran. Well, they're, they're going to have a booth there, but, uh, they're going to get involved in the uh, veterans day. They're giving away a hunt, um, a turkey hunt down in Missouri. So they're going to draw for that out there as well.
1: Yeah, I'm looking forward to, uh, to seeing you down there. And I've never met Joe Rhodes. So I'm looking forward to meeting him down there as well. And, um, it should be a good event. I've known the, the promoter there for quite a few years. They, they put on a nice, nice event. I mean, it's the perfect time of the year. It's the first weekend in August. So everybody's got trail cam pictures of their big bucks and they're just itching for the weather to cool off to get out there and start killing them. So it's, it's a good time to, uh, to get a bunch of, bunch of rednecks together to talk about deer <laughs> hunting. So.
0: Yeah, it sure is. I always look forward to going up there and getting away from this dog days of Southeast Missouri summer. I'll probably leave 95 100 degrees to head up there in low 80s hopefully.
1: Yeah, August can be pretty brutal up here. We uh it's been I mean it's been hot all over the country, but we had we had triple digits on Saturday for our veteran shoot up here. It was it was pretty warm out there swatting mosquitoes in the in the woods pulling arrows, so. Mhm.
0: Yeah, we'll be headed up to. Uh, we bought a camper recently, so we're gonna drag that up there and uh, head to the Dells for a few days before Deer Fest with the kids. Oh, so yeah, we. That's only up. an hour.
1: That's, the Dells is only an hour from us, so if you can, if you can make it up here, we might be able to give you a little tour. So
0: I, right, I would love that. I absolutely will do that. Um,
1: we're uh, we're we're an hour straight north of the Dells. So
0: okay, how close are you to Vortex?
1: uh vortex were about two probably about two hours because they they've moved to their new location which i believe is southwest of madison so we're, we're an hour and a half from madison so we're probably an hour just under two hours from vortex i would say okay
0: all right yeah i'll talk to uh seamus do you know seamus at vortex
1: i don't riley uh riley's my connection down there okay. so
0: yeah he invited me to do the same thing come by for a tour so uh I yeah. may, we may make two stops
1: okay there you go yeah they're opposite directions you might have to do them different days but we'd love to love to have you
0: guys up here yeah yeah well we'll be coming in from from the south so we may hit vortex first day headed up and then uh before we head to Deerfest, we may swing by your place
1: that'd be great and we'd love to love to have you
0: all right awesome all right well chris i appreciate the time is there anything else you think we need to to cover or you pretty much got a good highlight here
1: I think we hit it pretty good. I mean, I just, uh, for all your listeners out there that have been lifelong HHA fans, or if you just got signed up today, I just want to, want to thank you. We wouldn't be able to do what, what we do without, uh, all of your loyal support. So, and if you, if you haven't checked us out, um, we're actually launching a brand new website here in a couple of weeks. So, uh, HHA is going to have a completely new look. We're going to have a new online apparel store. We designed a few new hats and shirts going up on there. And then, um, we also came up with the challenge coin, um, which is something used in the military, uh, for our HHA USA Foundation. So those are hot off the presses. I don't think anybody even knows we've got them yet. So those will be be for sale up on our website, and all those funds will go back to our uh, to our veterans program as well. So.
0: Okay. Well, good information. Well, Chris, I appreciate your support of the break. We're uh, we partnered together this year, and uh, you know all the guys absolutely love the their hha products the sites, and the vertus rest it's super high quality it's just it's great to be partners with great family-owned companies like like you guys
1: yeah no and we're uh we're fired up to have you guys it was ironic that uh that carl drake was the one that kind of sealed the deal I'd, i've known carl for a while and didn't know he was part of uh I guess i didn't realize he was part of your guys team so uh, those, those connections pay off and it's just uh it's neat how, how this industry is a lot smaller than people think it is. Everybody knows somebody that knows somebody. So. That's
0: right. It really is. <laughs> so, Well, okay, Chris, I appreciate the time. been talking to Chris Ham from HHA Sports, so check him out, hhasports.com. And, Chris, we'll be in touch very soon as we head up to Deerfest. All right.
1: Stay cool, and we'll, uh, we'll look forward to seeing you here in a few weeks.
0: Sounds good. Thank you.
1: Yeah, have a great weekend.
0: This is Derek Dernberger, and you're listening to The Break Podcast.